Welcome to Listen With Your Eyes, the show that is heard, not seen. I'm your host, the blind guy, Callum Brennan, and on this podcast, we'll be discussing what it's like to live with a disability. Let's get started. Joining me today is my sensational guest, Cecilia. Welcome. Thank you. Are you good today? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Yeah. How are you? Um, f- very well, thanks. Um, but yeah, so we'll start from the beginning. Uh, where are you from, uh, Cecilia? I am from Denmark. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. Are you um, are you living there currently? Or uh, no, I moved to the UK five years ago, so I currently live in Birmingham. Okay, that's nice. Uh, so, were you born blind? Uh, no, so I lost my sight when I was 18. Um, okay. In It was in, in two separate accidents, actually. So, I lost the sight uh, in my right eye uh, in 2014 when I was 17. Okay. Um, when I went on a holiday with my family to Paris. Right. Um, and I had a sort of like a small sibling argument with my brother in this hotel room and we were just arguing a little bit and um, yeah, he was only 10 years old at the time and he had this bottle in his hand um, and because he got a bit angry, he basically threw it and as he threw the bottle, I looked up and got hit like straight in the eye. Okay. Um, yeah, and immediately everything just went dark, and I I couldn't see anything through my one eye. So that was obviously very a very weird feeling and sure. quite traumatic. Uh, yes, um, and did you say you said you were in in France in Paris? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so um, so was it a case of you know going to the hospital there? Yeah. So basically, my uh, we were there with my parents and two of their friends and uh, they just ran the, the marathon in Paris. So they were not actually in the hotel room when it happened. So I just had to call my mum and I was kind of all over the place just saying to her, like they had to come back now. Sure. Um, and then they, they came back to the room and we had to call a taxi that then took us to the nearest hospital. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't really, I don't remember it very clearly because the whole thing was just a bit scary and I wasn't really sure, sure what was going on. Um, yeah. But then I came into this hospital and they said that they had to do uh, an eye surgery after looking into my eye. Okay. Um, so I just had to speak to all these different nurses that could barely speak any English. Um, I only right. knew a little bit of French because I did French in school, but it was a bit, yeah, confusing. Um, no, I can imagine. Yeah. And then I had this eye surgery and um, when I woke up, they basically said they couldn't do anything because um, the retina had detached and kind of crumbled up because of the blood that went into my eye. Right. Um, So they couldn't really do anything other than just, yeah, kind of sewing up the hole that had come in my eye after the bottle hitting it and then I stayed there for how long was it four days I think I had to stay in the hospital right just to kind of get you know antibiotics and stuff so I wouldn't get an infection and then sure uh my dad stayed with me which was quite nice um the others day flew back home because only one person was allowed to stay okay um, and then I was flown back to a hospital in Denmark after that and stay there for a few days. Right. And so it's the case, you, so you have no sight in that eye since yeah, then? Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's completely gone, yeah. Okay. Pretty, um, well, yeah, a very much a nasty turn on a vacation. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. <laughs> yes. Didn't really expect that. <laughs> no. Uh, and... You, you say that that was the first time and we may come back to it, but where, 
uh, did you end up losing sight in your left eye then? Yeah, so um, this was about half a year later, so December, a month after my 18th birthday. Right. Um, we'd, I was in my last year of college uh, in Denmark and I just handed in this really big assignment. So it's a tradition now that when you've handed this in, you meet up with all your classmates and then you basically um, party and go sure. out and stuff. Um, so I was at this party and uh, we were just like having a good time. And uh, then I was dancing with some people. Um, and then basically what happened was that uh, someone lifted me up while we were dancing. And then, uh, you know, he was kind of holding my arms in a way. And then he uh, kind of fell over and I fell over. And because I was lifted up, I couldn't really, um, like I didn't really have time to kind of stop the fall with my hands. So my eye just went uh, directly into the corner of um, a table. Right. and uh kind of you know same story again uh yeah my i it just all went dark immediately um and i couldn't see anything so i just obviously i straight away thought oh my god the same thing is happening again how is this even possible like sure. half a year later uh so it was all a bit yeah very dramatic um Definitely. my friends they called an ambulance and I I actually I remember I tried to run away from the place which is really stupid because I couldn't see anything but I just remember like wanting to get away from the situation yeah understandable um, reaction yeah <laughs> um and then I went to the hospital they said oh we can't see anything in your eye they just put this big torch in my eye and they just said there's nothing there mm. um yeah and my dad had come and he was like no this can't be true um so we went to a different hospital my usual one that i go to with my eyes um okay and uh they uh said like they scanned it and stuff and they said i had to have another surgery where yeah. they opened it up again sure um but because there was so much blood in my eye they couldn't actually see exactly what was going on right um so the doctor who did the surgery he said that i would have to go home for nine days i think it was with my family uh and then come back just before new year's eve to have another surgery where they would then look again and see if they could save some of the retina sure um so yeah, this was just before Christmas. It was the 18th of December and I had to go home with my family and <laughs> try and celebrate Christmas with no side. Yeah. That was very odd, very weird experience. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just little things like eating food was really weird. I, I wasn't even sure how to like cut it or anything. Yeah, um, I was going to say, did you, I mean, were you all right doing that on your own or did you just end up asking someone else to do those kind of things? I think at that point I just, I couldn't do it myself because it was also overwhelming. So I'm pretty sure I, I actually got help yeah. with most of these things Understandable. from my parents, yeah. Yeah, cause especially, I mean, to lose all sight, like, especially with, you know, something as, what, I guess would be considered as simple as eating. It, yeah. It, it definitely, you know, is, makes a huge difference. It's obviously, I don't definitely. know if you, I don't know if you ever heard of the, um, like here in England, in London, they have the, uh, restaurant that does, uh, it's called, uh, you know, dine in the dark. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard of that. And obviously the whole idea behind that is to, um, you know, show people, you know, you know, give them the experience like of how, mm -hmm difficult something like that can be um but no, i i think it's an understatement for me to say that um you definitely had rotten luck uh yeah and, you can say that yeah but <laughs> i can imagine yeah that the yeah that christmas would have not been too fun so you said it was 
you say it was on New Year's Evil Day that you had the surgery on your left eye? Yeah, it was uh, it was the 29th that I had the oh, second right. one. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, I came in again and like I when I was there, I just had this feeling that, oh, this is not going to go well. And then before the surgery, the doctor, he looked in my eye again. He was like, mm. he basically said that we shouldn't get our hopes up. Sure. So I just thought, okay, this is not really going to go well, to be honest. Um, so just before the surgery, I said to my mum, like, when I wake up, if they haven't been able to save it, uh, just don't tell me because I'll know if that makes sense. So I just kind of, yeah. I woke up and uh, no one said anything. So I just immediately knew, okay, sure, I'm I'm actually blind now. And then it was just like, you know, kind of like falling. I, It felt like a dream almost. It didn't feel real. It was so surreal what was happening. No, I could um, definitely come out because you said this was in a six month period. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. I'd just about sort of gotten used to being blind in one eye because for ages, honestly, it's like when you go from seeing in both eyes and then to only seeing in one, it's almost as if it really messes up like your balance. Um, sure. So I would walk into people that I couldn't see on the one side. I would walk into walls and lampposts because I just didn't notice that they were there. Yeah. Um, were you walking around like without a mobility aid had you or had you learned to use a cane uh what like after no losing like, it in one eye or yeah so after yeah after losing it uh with one eye no um i was actually all right like i was i was learning how to drive as well because you're allowed to do that so it was basically sure, like yeah. being fully sighted just adapting a little bit to get used to um okay yeah well, Only fair. seeing with one eye, yeah. So when it came to like, because you mentioned about uh, you know, still being in college at that point, yeah, it, with the sight you had in your, it was the left eye, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, you were okay with like regular size print and that kind of thing. Yeah, that was absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. just just meant you had to maneuver your head, maybe to. Yeah, I had to kind of look sideways a little bit sometimes, just okay. to. Yeah. Right, that's fair enough. But when so then, I see all this happens, and I guess uh, one thing I'm curious to know, like, um, is because I see you're in, you know, in your home country of Denmark at this point. Is when it comes to like having the surgery and stuff, is the healthcare system in Denmark like s- similar to here in England with the NHS or? Yeah. Like, so. Um we yeah we've got free healthcare as well because okay. we we pay um tax that yeah means that you know hospitals and schools and universities sure. all that kind of stuff it's all free yeah. um so yeah luckily we i didn't have to pay for any of it no that's so, yeah yeah it's, it's a good thing uh you mentioned uh like with work uh, before losing uh, your your sight at all had you like done any you know jobs that you know teenagers end up doing or yeah um i worked uh in a supermarket for a year before it happened okay uh, and then prior to that i'd also uh done a job in another shop that kind of sold loads of different random things kind of like tiger if you know that shop sure. sort of similar to that but another danish one okay. um and then i'd also worked as an assistant hr assistant so i'd done different nice. jobs but like you know nothing special really just yeah kind of like standard teenage jobs like you said yeah and you were able were you able to continue doing that kind of thing when you had no, only sign uh, your left eye or oh when i only had signed my left yes. eye i yeah i still did yeah. yeah i um it was kind of awkward actually because uh i wanted to go back to work as soon as possible um right. but 
because of what um, had happened to my eye. Basically, what it does is when your eye has experienced a trauma, it starts shrinking and the pressure drops. Right. So my eye was um, a lot smaller than a normal eye and red. Um, so when I was walking around, I would wear sunglasses because I didn't want people to see my eye. Sure. Um, but at work, I couldn't really do that. So I came back to work and um, I felt really self-conscious because, you know, it was very noticeable that something was wrong with my eye. Um, yeah. And um, I actually had to get a, like a, what you call it, like a prosthetic. Yeah. Is it called a prosthetic eye? Prosthetic, yeah, I yeah. had to have that. Yeah. I've actually got that um, on both my eyes now. So I still have my eyes, but these shell things, they cover them so that you can't see that anything's wrong with them, basically. So until I got that, I felt very self-conscious and I didn't really right. like showing my eye to people. Okay. <clears throat> and with... Uh, I hope uh, not going... Like asking too much here by wondering with what led to the sight in your right eye going like you know how were things with your brother like did you like especially initially like was there yeah anger there or... um i think when it first happened like my first reaction was anger yeah uh which is you know just a natural reaction to what happened but it was really important for me that like he had to know that I didn't blame him for it because it was it was an accident you know accidents happen and the outcome of the accident was obviously really unfortunate and I just kept on thinking that if it were me who had thrown the bottle I would feel so so guilty and really awful and I just I couldn't bear him not knowing that I didn't blame him for it. So it was so important for me saying that to him so that he didn't, you know, at least I could try to make him feel less guilty yeah. for it. Cause, yeah, and he was he was 10 years old, you know. He sure, was yeah. No, definitely. A boy, so, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be a good thing for him to carry around, that's for sure. No, not at all. But um, so yeah. So once um, your sight has gone in your left eye as well, you like we sort of touched upon that you weren't able to continue, say, doing you know working at the places you were working. Yeah. Um. So you said it was in December, like, and uh, you know, forgive me, I'm not 100 percent sure of the uh, structure of the academic year in Denmark. Like, were yeah. You st- were you still in your last year of college? I was, yeah. yeah. I had half a year left. Um, right. So that was obviously um, tough because of course. I I was in this position like half a year left and, you know, massive life change. Where do I go from here? Sure. Um, and <clears throat> for the first couple of weeks, I, I actually just thought that I'd retake the year after the summer because sure. it was a bit overwhelming. You know, I would have to learn how to, first of all, navigate and just do simple everyday things, but then also studying using yeah. a screen reader and all these things. And I just didn't know where to start. But sure. honestly, I got so bored after the first couple of weeks. I just couldn't stand just staying at home. I wanted to be with my friends and I wanted to do the same things that I did before. I mean, I was 18 year old and years old and I just wanted to just have fun so I actually a couple of weeks after I went to my first party and my parents they were so nervous I remember they wanted me to call them to see you know tell them how it was going but right I just I felt like I just needed to yeah to kind of carry on no. with my life yeah um, makes sense. so I woke up one morning shortly after the accident and I just said mom I want to go back to college and at first she was like okay um (laughs) how are we going to go about this um but then we had a meeting with um 
kind of the head principal of the college and we sure. spoke to him and uh, pretty much straight away they were just up for it and they were up for giving me the support. They'd never really uh, had a blind person. I think they had one like many years ago, but right. not while they were working there. So it was new to them as well and it was new to all of the teachers. Um, okay. So what kind of um, like help were you getting uh, when it came to finishing college um so basically i got in touch with uh the danish blind institution called ebus and right. they um they had someone there who helped me with learning how to use my um macbook i used the macbook at the time okay which yeah i didn't really get on with that well so i learned to use jewels later okay um but yeah, throughout college, I used my Mac. Um, and then all of the teachers, they were really amazing. They would always send me all of the stuff in the right format so that I could read it as well. Um, you know, if anyone got any paper copies of anything, they would always send it to me. Uh, and somehow I actually managed to get better grades than I ever got before I went blind because... Okay. I was kind of forced to not be so lazy. Sure. <laughs> I was quite lazy beforehand, I would say. <laughs> um, and because my, you know, my mum, she actually helped me with my um, homework at home so that I would get stuff done. And because I had someone helping me, I was kind of forced to do it, which okay. was quite useful, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, then when it came to the exams, which were in the summer, my friend, Sandra, she um, was hired by the council to be my assistant. So she would revise with me at home. And then when okay. I came in, because um, in Denmark, we do a lot of oral exams rather than written. Right. Uh, so in the oral exams, she would uh, sit with me when I prepared and then we'd write some notes together so when I was in there if I, there was anything that you know I just needed um, something from the notes she would give me a hint so I could carry on talking so sure. with all that support I managed to get through it and graduated at the same time as everybody else cool that's, that's very good uh, so just to clarify when it came to um like reading and um, writing, was that that was all on your MacBook at the time? Um, yes. So okay. in class, I would use that. Um, and at home, I would use that as well. So I would write my assignments on it. Okay. At first, it was super difficult because just going from, you know, looking at the screen to having to kind of memorize the different paragraphs that you're writing. Sure. Um, really hard. Um but I don't know, you kind of, I feel like I kind of got used to it pretty fast. And then when I had done it for a few months, I kind of got into a routine yeah. where I didn't want to throw the laptop into the wall all the time, which was quite sure. nice. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And I'm guessing that you got used to the, um, uh, the, uh, the voice reader on it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I also learned to use my iPhone pretty much straight away because someone came home uh, to my house and taught me how to use it sure. which was handy um, so I could still like communicate with my friends myself yeah. rather than someone else reading my texts all the time yeah well yeah that's definitely helpful to have <laughs> yeah um, with privacy and all that because even if you have nothing to hide in the messages you know it's not nice it's having... still just you just want to read it yourself don't exactly you? just, yeah no definitely so like as far as getting around at this point had you uh learned to use a cane yet or i actually like... the first time i used a cane was actually um after my graduation because at this point i just i think i kind of refused in a way right i refused accepting that I was blind and I just didn't didn't want to deal with all those things that I had to learn, like using the cane. So okay. I just got guided by my friends when I was in college. Um, 
my mum mm. or my friend who was also my neighbour and went to the same college, they would drive me to to college and then sure. I would meet up with some friends from class and just walk around with them. I was very fortunate because I, you know, had people who could help me yeah. um, all day. So it, it never really became an issue, but I obviously missed the independence a lot and I missed like having the ability to go where I wanted to go whenever yeah. I wanted to. So that was very hard. Um, but I don't think I got that motivation until afterwards. I just Then I just wanted to, to focus on getting the work done because that itself was a bit overwhelming. So I just didn't have the, the energy to, to do that at the same time. Sure. So you, were, so you had, to, like, so you say, like, after graduating, so you were starting to learn to use the cane whilst in Denmark? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So in, I started sort of in the summer after my graduation, um, someone came to my house and I learned to walk to, uh, the train station and to my friend's house. Um, I was really lucky because I'd lived in that town pretty much my whole life. So I, I knew the layout, you know, I could visualize everything. So in terms of learning these routes, it was actually pretty easy and straightforward because I knew like yeah. what it all looked like. So it was just a matter of kind of learning the techniques to, you know, and to find the, what you call it. Um, I forgot the word now. <laughs> the, um, what are you saying? Technique, like the skills and... Yeah, and, yeah. you know, finding the the right places you know with the surface and stuff so i knew like oh now you've got to cross the road or whatever all that kind of stuff so yeah i was just learning all these things and then when i'd learned it i i knew my way to the station which was quite handy because then if i was meeting anyone i could just go to the train station myself or meet them there rather than them always having to go to my house (laughs) okay so yeah that was nice that's very good so at this point like what led to you uh making the decision to um you know come over to england uh, to the royal national college of the blind like what led to that um i think in a way like even though i had really good friends and a very supportive family I just felt like I kind of needed to find my feet somewhere myself and to meet some people who were kind of in the same boat as me and who had a better understanding of what it what it was like being blind or being visually impaired um so and I think before I lost my sight I you know I wanted to travel because in Denmark it's normal to have one or two gap years after college before you go to university um okay so um <clears throat> you know traveling at this point to like a new country by myself you know just to kind of do backpacking or traveling around would have, would have been a bit difficult so my dad he uh searched for different opportunities and then he randomly came across the rnc when he was googling places in the uk um okay so yeah we just talked about it and they kind of encouraged me to apply for it as well and we send the application and then um i actually met up with uh lisa the teacher um in copenhagen because she was there on a weekend and i spoke to her and then i came for an induction um at the college um, a couple of months before starting. So in October, me and my mum went over and spoke to some of the staff and had a tour around the place. And then after that, I just thought, yeah, this this would be the right thing for me to do. And then um, in the beginning of the new year, I went to Hereford. Um, yeah. so, so was this a year after you finished? Well... It was half a year after graduating. So when, yeah, so uh, this was January 2016. So 
just a year after uh, going blind, basically. Yeah. Okay. That's a, you know, fair play to you. So I think a lot of people say it's a very big step to take, uh, you know, if, even when uh, one's fully abled. But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> it was it yeah. was really scary, not going to lie. Um, I'm sure. I, the first couple of weeks were tough. Uh, I, um, you know, like one thing is, going to a different country, speaking a different language, but then, yeah, doing it when, you, when you're blind. So I also couldn't see anyone's faces. There were a lot of people and, sure. you know, it was all very new and strange. And uh, yeah, I think the, the language, the language thing was probably the hardest um, because I don't know, I don't know if it's just me, but I think as a Danish person, you only really, you know, when you think of, English you don't really think about how many different dialects there actually are um yeah and then coming to a blind college where people come from all, all over England you. and Wales and Scotland and all yeah. these different dialects I, I I couldn't understand half the people there and sure. I just felt so confused um you know some people were easier to understand than others but some people I just honestly I didn't have a clue what they were saying and That's it was fair. really it was really um yeah it just made me feel a bit uh you know a little bit self-conscious about speaking english i think and also a little bit homesick Um, so yeah for the first couple of weeks i called you know my family quite a lot and i just said i just want to go home and then all of a sudden it kind of changed and then i was actually really enjoying it yeah i suppose um before we sort of go more into detail about that, I, I just wanted to ask, like, you say you had an induction in October. What did that, what did that involve? Was that just, you know, being in the college or did you, like, take part in classes? Um, yeah, what did I do? Uh, it was, like, such a long time ago now. Um, I think I was, uh, was I in a few classes? I think I, I might have been in a few classes, actually, in some psychology classes i think were you in sociology uh, as well i think i might have been yeah, in in one class because i yeah. yeah this is one reason why i'm asking because i remember us being told beforehand yeah and then us, and you were in yeah one lesson um and i think we spent most of that lesson like a good chunk of that lesson i think just generally like you know talking to you and you know about yeah i think that's right i remember that yeah well, and I mean, good to know we didn't scare you away, I guess. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It just, I just, I think it just seemed like a, a really exciting opportunity and just, yeah, you know, yeah. I just find it interesting because um, I suppose for someone coming from another country, like you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Hereford doesn't strike me as a place you would consider being. <laughs> um, I don't think I would have chosen it if... no. If I hadn't lost my sight, let's put it like that. I yeah. mean, I I had no idea what Hereford was, but when I came, I thought it actually seemed quite nice. You know, sure. a nice little city. I mean, it's it's not got <laughs> that many things going on there, but for what it was, I thought it was okay. Um, no, definitely, it's not somewhere you'd go on holiday for sure. Like, you'd I wouldn't say so, go no. to London or <laughs> Manchester or something. Yeah, no. sure, no, exactly. So. So when it came to being at the college, like you mentioned, the first, like being homesick initially, and but then things changed. Was that like was that a result of? Do you think you know were you starting to get to know people better, and you know were you starting to um, sort of, uh, I suppose, experience the benefits of like you know learning, you know, ways mm-hmm. of. Uh, um... Yeah, I think it was a mixture of both. So I think um, all the teachers, they were really good at making me feel welcome. And so, so uh, like a lot of the students that I spoke to, they also made it a lot easier. Um, sure. I think um, I think the good thing was that because it was residential, it was kind of easier to get to know people quicker. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, definitely. 
and because of that I I felt like I got used to it faster than I would have if it was like let's say a, a normal college where you were only in for the lessons and then that was it but because it was kind of the community that it was um I feel like people knew each other and in a different way and you just you just got to know people um in a different way than I would have yeah if it wasn't sure. residential no, definitely so when um what when studying at RNC what subjects did you take um in my first year I uh I kind of just went into different classes because I came in in the middle of the year I didn't sure. really do um any particular courses so I was in sociology uh but in A2 sociology I think so I actually didn't really understand what was going on half the time but I, I was just kind of sure. <laughs> in there um and then I did psychology where I was in A2 as well I think yeah I was where I was just kind of okay doing my own thing um doing other tasks to what the students were doing um and then I did an English uh test which qualified like made me qualified to go to university if I wanted to do that I wasn't sure at that point if I was going to stay in the UK or not but then right. at least I had the opportunity to because sure. I did that test um so that was kind of what I did in, in my first year um but then because I I liked being there so much I felt like I needed to stay there a bit longer to kind of get the most out of it so I uh, extended my time there for another year um okay and then in that year I did AS psychology and I did the massage course okay so I got different qualifications in that oh cool that's good and um like when it came to like uh I suppose improving like general like living skills um did you you know did you find the college helpful when it came to that so when it so such as um you mentioned jaws earlier with it you mentioned um yeah yeah learning jaws was a massive benefit because when i first came i was still using mac and i i just insisted that, that i was going to carry on using it i think because right. when i could see that was what i was used to and i just sure. wanted to carry on with that um but the it teachers they kind of tried to convince me that I should use JAWS instead. Um, so yeah. they said, oh, why not just try it out? So I went into some lessons and I found out pretty quickly that it was actually a lot easier uh, to use than my Mac. So sure. yeah, I learned how to use JAWS, um, which was really good um, and made writing assignments a lot easier. Um, yeah. And then I did mobility. So first I learned you know, my way around the college itself. And yeah. then I learned to walk to the shop nearby. Um, yeah. That's... I think that was all I did while I was there, actually. And then uh, in my second year, I uh, I learned, you know, the trains. So I, I went on the train by myself. Um, cool. That's never really been an issue ever since. I'm I'm quite happy to travel by myself all over the country really because the assistance is really good um yeah you've never had a problem with assistance on the train i mean sometimes they don't they don't really show up but then i just get off the train and i just <laughs> get my cane out and like find a random person and ask them for help sure um so yeah that does happen but i feel like people are really helpful so if if i'm ever in situations like that i usually find a way out pretty quickly yeah. so that's not really something i'm okay. concerned about and then when it came to, to train travel like was that a resolve did you want to, while you were i guess we mentioned hereford's not being um one of the places uh people from abroad think about when coming to the country like were you wanting to visit you know different places in the country and maybe cities that you know, people are more aware of, like you, we mentioned, London, Manchester. Yeah, it's definitely something that was uh, on my mind. I never did it that much while I was at the college, but okay. because I found out in my second year that I wanted to um, 
go to University of Worcester. Sure. I I just I chose that uni because it was close to Hereford and because it was close to uh, Birmingham Airport, which for me was quite important because I fly back and forth quite a lot. Um, so it was when sure. I found out that I wanted to go to Worcester that I got the um, the train mobility and then also to visit my friend uh, Sam who lived in Swansea at the time. Um, so that was kind of yeah the main reasons at that point. But I mean, ever since I've traveled like on train, you know, uh, down south or uh, up north um, and sure. to different airports as well. So yeah, it's very handy that you can get the assistance as well, I think. No, definitely. So, so you mentioned uh, going to university. What is it you uh, studied? Um, I did psychology. Okay. And is psychology always been something that you were interested in or is it only like recently to deciding what to do for your degree? Um, it was actually when, you know, when I first lost my sight, I was doing a, um, I was doing psychology in, in the college in Denmark and sure. sort of after I went blind, when I was, when I started to read about a lot of the theories about trauma in particular, I kind of started linking it to my own experiences and it opened my eyes to you know that I can use what happened to myself and kind of how I overcame that and sort of the theories behind that to to help other people sure. that's that's really you know my biggest passion is these things happen to me but I've actually managed to to change it to something positive and I would say that I'm a lot um happier now than I was before before I lost my sight and right. I'd like to to be able to use some of the skills that I've learned and some of my experiences to help other people who have experienced trauma or who are not feeling well have like mental health problems right so yeah. that's why I chose psychology okay that's good stuff <clears throat> so you mentioned um I think we mentioned uh, that you're in uh Birmingham currently so have you you recently graduated yeah I graduated um last summer okay so the reason why I'm in Birmingham is actually because um I met uh my boyfriend in my first year of uni and uh he uh went on he's doing a degree at University of Birmingham so when you know last summer we just we decided to move in together and then we found a place in Birmingham sure if you found Birmingham all right it's obviously a big city um it's to be honest it's not my favorite place no. um I've I've been to to better places than Birmingham it's it's not really That's somewhere right. I'd live long term but for for what it is at the moment it's it's fine sure so since you finished um at uni last summer have you managed to find work or are you volunteering yeah so i'm i'm currently uh volunteering um i'm volunteering for uh this youth club in wolverhampton where i nice. mentor someone uh once a week we just have a a chat like a young person to you know help them with improving their confidence um sure. and then i'm also volunteering for the Alzheimer's Society uh, where I call people um, to you know just ask them how they're doing especially during this pandemic where a lot of them are isolated and just need social support from someone Um, and then I'm going to start training soon for a few other roles so it's just kind of to you know do some some stuff and get some experience in my gap year because I decided that waiting a year before going on to doing a master's would make sense considering that everything is a bit um, uncertain at the moment. Yeah, Yeah. figuratively on fire. Yeah, basically. (laughs) And with everything being online, it's just, I just think it would, I would get more out of it if I 
did it face to face. No, sure. So with that in mind, do you think it's your plan is at this point to start in September coming up, like twenty twenty one? Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. Uh, what would is that? And that would be to do a master's in what? In clinical psychology. Okay. Where have you been looking at? You know, when it comes to studying it, like you know, what unis? Um, I think my first priority would actually be to do it in Copenhagen. Okay. Um, masters in Denmark, they're two years rather than one, and a lot of the, the courses that you can do in in England they they are only one year so I feel like that um doing it in Copenhagen would maybe um give me a bit more in terms of like learning um and there's a lot of uh placement opportunities there um but if I don't get into Copenhagen I've found uh quite a few courses in uh, clinical psychology starting in September this year. Uh, right. So I've looked at one in Bath and in Reading as well. They both look quite good. So hopefully I'll get um, an answer from Copenhagen soon. And then if I don't get in, I'll apply for different ones in the UK and just see where that goes. So I don't know where I'm going to be yet, which is a little bit scary, but hopefully I'll find out soon. No, definitely. So you mentioned about uh, the possibility there of uh, moving back to Copenhagen with your masters. When it when it comes to uh, the attitudes towards uh, disability, have you found them to be similar in Denmark in comparison to here in England, or is have you noticed the difference? Um, there's actually quite a big difference, I would say. Uh, one of the reasons why I chose the UK was because I think the UK is generally quite good when it comes to disability. Um, there's a lot of, you know, things put in place. So there's the assistance on trains, for instance, um, in Denmark, if you want assistance, you've got to always book it in advance. I know they say you've got to do that here as well, but, you know, you can always get it from someone if you yeah. need it. Um, then there's... Uh, just little things like you know when you go to the cinema here you can get audio description yes. in Denmark you can't there's right. an app you have you can have on your phone and they put some films on there but it's it's not like pretty much every film has it like it's got it here so that's a sure. bit of a shame I think um, I mean yeah I mean as a huge film fan that definitely would uh, not be good for me yeah <clears> I mean I loved it when I first came here and I found out that everything was audio described. I remember when me and my mum came for the introduction in Hereford, we went to the cinema like three times because yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to take advantage of the audio description. No, that, um, that's very much, yeah. you know, fair enough. Uh, yeah, no, Hereford especially were, it has to be, you have, I mean, yeah, the whole country as a whole, I think it's fair to say, uh, I know I say this as a English person, but I do often say to people that, even though it's not perfect, you know, there's still some issues when it comes to, um, you know, attitudes toward disability in comparison to a lot of places, if not the whole world. Mm. It's it's arguably one of the best. I agree. I, I've really, and the just the uni itself, I mean, you know, it's not perfect, but the fact that everything is kind of, you like, based within the uni so they have the disability department where yeah. they can give you note takers they can give you sighted guides you know if you don't know your way to the lectures and sure. they they just send everything to you like books in in a word format and i just i think it's um you know they they make it a lot more accessible and a lot easier so you know if i did do my masters in copenhagen that would be a challenge because if you know to get all of these things you've got to contact um different you know departments rather than just speaking to the university so in that sense it's more of a challenge um and there's a lot of things i think denmark could definitely do better when it comes to, to disability but yeah no, sure. i think they could they could learn that from the uk so i've been i've been very um 
very happy with how it's dealt with here and it, it definitely as a blind person i feel like the uh opportunities that you've got here um definitely increases your independence yeah a lot. No, that's um that's good to hear <clears throat> uh you mentioned there about um sighted guides at points like would you often use sighted guides to go around or are you reasonably comfortable with the cane now um so when i first started uni i hadn't had any mobility yet to get to know the campus so at that point okay. i had um a sighted guide but then when i got sure. mobility i uh i would just learn my way to um the building and then i would meet them there instead but then when i'd been there for a bit and when i made friends i would just walk with them instead you know to the lectures so that was that made it a lot easier um, but yeah I, I learned my i learned my way around the campus so if i had things you know that weren't lectures if i had meetings and things like that i would just go myself sure i mean and um, when it comes to like uh, mobility have you ever considered getting a guide dog um i have definitely thought about it so right now, uh, because um, things are a bit unsure in terms of where I'm going to be living, sure. you know, in a few years' time, I I don't think it's the right time. I want to be somewhere where I get to know the area and yeah. where I feel like I'm I'm going to stay there for longer because I'm constantly moving around, you know, between England and Denmark, and I have moved uh, to different towns. Yeah, quite a lot over the past years so I think you know when the right time is there it would definitely be beneficial and the people that I've seen who've got guide dogs it, to me it looks like it makes a massive difference in terms of walking more independently and just you know never being alone yeah sure that's what I'd like yeah no I mean um, I, I don't know if you remember or not but as a as a guide dog user myself, I, I would definitely, yeah. um, I definitely would say, uh, yeah, as far as your mobility, but also as you mentioned there, the companionship, it's uh, exactly, it's very beneficial. But what you say for your reasons of holding it off uh, do make complete sense. Yeah, <clears throat> but it, it's definitely, you know, seeing seeing you guys with your dogs is definitely something I would like for myself. I think in the future, um, also little things, you know, just like walking in a straight line because yeah. I often find that because I can't you know see the yeah. ground I sometimes kind of end up not walking in a straight line and then if I'm yeah. crossing a road if I kind of go to the side of it that can also be a bit dangerous so sure that, that's fair definitely <clears throat> so when it comes so we sort of uh, touched upon um, uh, watching films and stuff but are there any like like hobbies like, or other hobbies that you would say you have? Um, I think the main thing I do for myself is uh, I really enjoy listening to audiobooks and okay. to do a lot of exercise because um, it gives me a lot of energy. Um, sure. But I think like um, the biggest sort of my my biggest passion when it comes to hobbies is definitely traveling and like seeing different parts of the world and different cultures nice. that's something i really enjoy uh and when you do that is uh, are you often going on the plane yeah um yeah so i i either go with my family or i go by myself as well i'm, I'm kind of used to going on plane journeys by myself because like with trips trains assistance and airports is really good um, yes, so sure. i'm quite comfortable with um traveling on my own and i have sometimes uh if i've met um my family like in another country and i've been here and they've been in denmark then i've traveled from the uk by myself and they've traveled um from denmark so yeah i'm, I'm okay. quite comfortable with that so just to give an idea like since you've been blind like you know what what countries have you been to um been to uh quite a lot actually i've been to uh singapore thailand india south africa uh 
and I've been to uh, a lot of countries in Europe as well and Iceland. Okay. Uh, cool. Iceland was a really amazing opportunity because I uh, got to go horse riding for the first time since going blind and I did nice. uh, river rafting as well. So I really uh, enjoy trying new experiences. Um, sure. I also went skiing uh, last year in Norway for the first time since going blind. So that was also really amazing, a big challenge, but yeah, something I really enjoyed yeah. being able to do again. When it came to the skiing, did you um, do what? So I've been skiing myself and did you, yeah. did you do the thing where you had, where you were skiing with a guide? Yeah. So he, uh, we both had like a, an earpiece in and so yeah. he could talk to me and I could talk to him and yeah. then he would just say, when to turn left or right. Yeah. No, yeah, that's that's good stuff. Um, and it's, it's nice that, uh, you've, uh, I think it's fair to say you seem to have uh, managed to handle the uh, the barrier, I guess, of uh, your site going very well. And yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there's always new challenges coming up, and some days are definitely course, yeah. uh, more frustrating than others. I mean, yeah, you probably know it from yourself that you know some definitely. days everything is just really annoying. Yes, um, <laughs> but you know, most days things are going really well, and I'm generally very happy so no glad to hear um i guess i was, I was going to ask that you mentioned like listening to audiobooks do you have any particular genre that you stick to or is it sort of you know a, a mixing bowl i actually read i can i i just love a lot of different genres like right now i'm reading a crime book but i also like you know um novels i like romance i like uh, biographies, you know, like all sorts of different genres. So it's just whatever mood I'm in, really. Sure. And are, are those um, the audiobooks you listen to? Are they all in English, or are there Danish ones as well you can listen to? Um, I listen to a mix of both. Um, yeah. I have this app called Morfeeble, which is a Danish app. Um, you right. just pay a subscription every month, and then you can basically listen to everything that's on there. So okay. kind of like Netflix, uh, but for audiobooks. Um, Sure. And they've got both uh, Danish and English books on there. So I just, you can go to the different categories and, you know, yeah. see the, the top books in each genre. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's very good. And uh, and like when it comes to exercise, like, uh, do you prefer going to the gym or you, do you do it, like, in your own home? Um, at the moment, because of COVID, I do it at home. So I, I do like, I have a TRX that I can put over the door and do exercises for that. And then I use my, my yoga mat and I've got some hand weights. Um, and then uh, me and my partner, we go for a lot of long walks okay. to, you know, get some exercise that way as well. But normally I would go to the gym, definitely. So I'm... I can't wait until they open again soon. <laughs> sure, yeah. And like when you go to gyms uh, outside RNC, because I know when at RNC that gym was, um, as people may imagine, was uh, made uh, to be uh, accessible for blind people. Mm. But when like going to other gyms, like how have you found that? Have you, you know, found them? Um, I personally, you know, I, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't like going on my own right. because they're really big and there's a lot of people and I don't know sure. I think you know learning the layout is I think it would be pretty difficult um yeah so yeah I usually go with my boyfriend and then we just do the things together yeah we make like a plan and then yeah no that's fair because yeah because in my uh experience uh granted I haven't been uh it has to be said out um after honestly I haven't been to the gym much myself no but, in the experience I've had, uh, a lot of treadmills, especially all like other exercise machines, are touchscreen nowadays. Exactly, it's yeah. pretty much impossible. Like I, I always have to get him to start the program for me, and you know, the annoying thing is that because they're touchscreen, and I think, oh, I'd like to uh, put the level up a little, a little bit, but then you just end up pressing the yes. wrong parts of the screen and then you turn off the machine and oh, yeah. it's a bit of a mess really um, no definitely but 
you know it's good that uh, I guess it's it's good that you have someone that you can do it with. Yeah, really. definitely. Um, I think you know a, a personal trainer would definitely be something I could consider as well. Sure. Um, but it's obviously you know it's quite a lot of money and it's not something I would be able to do you know every week. So it's no, nice definitely. to have someone to go with. I think. Yeah. And obviously, at this point, it's uh, good that you, you know, have managed to have your own setup at home. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, we'll wrap up there, Cecilia. Um, you know, thank you for uh, joining me today. You're welcome. Uh, been a good talk. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was a very informative chat. Hopefully, you found it educational and somewhat entertaining. You can follow me on Twitter at the blind brennan send an email to the blind brennan at gmail.com or join the facebook group listen with your eyes if you can like share and rate the podcast that'd be very much appreciated you've been listening with your eyes and you'll hear us again next time